The Stage Left Podcast. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. You're all access pass to local bands. My girlfriend's in there. Hey, a lot of people's girlfriends are in there. Get behind the scenes with concert recaps, album reviews, guest interviews, and more. Uh, yeah, I have a question. When did you turn into a nut bar? It's all right here at xrock.com. And we're back here in the X studio with the Stage Left podcast. Today I sit down with We Were Giants. And here in the studio I have Kenneth, vocals, Jeff, lead guitar, Blake, also vocals. We'll talk about why they have two vocalists here in a minute. And Josh, rhythm guitar, Mike on drums, not present. So it's three-fifths of We Were Giants. Guys, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Absolutely great. Great. So to get to know you a little bit, let's... uh, Let's do something a little different for like all the gearheads listening. Uh, let's get to know you based on your equipment. So I use an SM86 for live, and then I guess when we record, we use the SM7B. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I need to worry about because uh, I don't play guitar or bass or anything. So. So I guess for all the other gear aspects, that would Here probably be my realm. So for me, live, I use generally two guitars. Uh, one of them is a Legator with bare knuckle Blackhawks in it. The other is a Jackson Slat seven string with lace Death Bar X Bar pickups. Josh uses uh, an Ibanez RG. That's a fan fret model with EMG 808X pickups, and we have a very large rack which houses our our guitar amplifiers and everything. In the rack, we have just a power supply that powers everything. Then we have a Focusrite 18i20, which is a computer interface that allows us to uh, communicate with the recording program that we use for like our backing tracks and whatnot. So that allows us to send out tracks to the front of the house so you can hear all the, the backing tracks. And it also sends an in-air mix that we have that goes to our drummer on a separate channel with a metronome and everything like that. So he can hear the tempo and keep time every night so that we're not off. Next... We have an array of pedals that we use. Um, the main one that both of us use is the uh, ISP Noise Decimator, which is a, it's a really, really awesome gate that we use that just cuts the sound and makes it really, really, really tight. For our bass, we have a Sansamp bass DI pedal. So the Focusrite will send out a signal to that pedal, and then we split the signal. There will be one that goes to the front of house, and one that goes to our power amp that's mounted in the rack, and then one that signal will go to uh, an Ampeg 810 cab. Uh, for guitars, for mine, I use a Kemper profiling amp. It's a little specific in what it does, but I have uh, some tones that were created by some other producers, uh, like Andrew Wade and Will Putney, who are real famous producers, so I get their tone in the Kemper, so I kind of use those live. For my main profile that I use right now is a Friedman BE100 with a Tube Screamer profiled into it. I have one line that goes out that doesn't have a cab simulation that goes to the power amp, and then it goes to my orange PPC412 cabinet. Uh, and then the other signal goes to front of house, and it simulates a Mesa oversized 412 rectifier cabinet and then josh he uses a line 6 helix which is similar to the the profiling amp but it's it's a modeler line 6 models after certain amps and the main one that he's using right now is the 5150 for his tone he does the same thing with his signal splits one without a cab sim that goes to the power amp and then to his orange cabinet and then we have one that goes to the front of house that has the cab sim that's built into it as well 
for guitar stuff, that's pretty much the gist of it. I mean, it's pretty specific. It's complex, man. Yeah, his, <laughs> is, his is a lot more uh, detailed than me and Logan's. So, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, th there's a lot of working parts to it. And then, like, we... Too many working parts. We, we have, uh, we use Logic Pro with a MacBook Pro, and we run all of our backing tracks in that recording DAW. We actually have these MIDI channels that uh, the interface will send out a signal to both the Kemper and the Helix, and it will change the patches automatically so we don't have to touch anything. It just switches over. Like if I have a lead part and I need some delay and reverb, it will automatically just switch over to it. I don't have to touch anything, and if I need to switch right back to the rhythm or switch to a clean, it just does it all automatically. We, we set that all up before our set, and uh, yeah, it's kind of convenient. Um, we have wireless, so we're not tied down. We can run wherever. Uh, it's kind of nice. It is really nice. So are you your own sound guy? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, we... we, we Josh, for sure. Josh, yeah, Josh definitely also. Josh and I kind of kind of run everything else besides the drums. The drums we still mic up like normal. And, uh, Michael, he's got a Pearl export set. He just got the Matt Halpern signature snare. He uses the, um, I believe it's the Pearl Redline double kick pedals that he uses and the Byzance series from Minel for the cymbals. I know he does have a few stacked cymbals that are from Zildjian still, but uh, he's making the switch over to Minel. Uh, almost exclusively so well worth it that's it in a nutshell so we'll talk about the live show here in a minute since we kind of brought that up but first of all the usual stuff you know how did the band form how you got the name basically the band started in Boise uh, with an idea with a few members that are no longer with us uh, we ended up writing some stuff and trying to go through and work around schedules and different passions that other people had they went and pursued those, and we ended up getting uh, our uh, lineup now, which, honestly, it's been awesome. Everyone's got good chemistry and everything like that, but the band used to be called The Lake Attacks Everybody, and everyone made fun of that name, so we ended up changing it. And well, people still got, make fun of our and name. And people still <laughs> make fun of our name. They ask why we're not Ooh, giants you guys? What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always get. All it's the fine. Time. No worries. Yeah. How'd that name come about, then? It gets in more details and stuff like that, but we had at the time talked to a few representatives in the music industry who were trying to help uh, guide us in the right direction. We were coming up with a bunch of names, and uh, that one kind of stuck with everyone. They figured it would go well and be kind of marketable. So last time I did see you guys was on stage at the Knitting Factory during our Free X show with Blacktop Mojo. And I have to ask, did you guys have a good time? Because the energy in the show seemed like you guys were having a damn good time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was Definitely. my favorite show I've ever played in my entire life. That was awesome, dude. <laughs> it really like, was. I had so much fun. The crowd was awesome. Yeah, I never played the Knitting Factory actually at all before. And uh, it was an awesome first time. I couldn't have asked for a better turnout dude like there's a lot of people there i wasn't expecting that many yeah, people man seriously here. i was just was going awesome. in with blank blank eye hoping for the best and everyone Holy seemed cow. to really enjoy it too so you yeah. guys killed it i mean I, i've seen you before but that seemed like a whole different level yeah. for you guys you just and i have to ask too whose idea was the confetti cannons that guy. <laughs> nice yeah that guy. i had to do it man it's just like <laughs> it brings like this epicness that 
you just can't get without it. I don't know. It, it's either that or those uh, those like steam cannons. You know, you, you yeah. know, like that day to remember. Oh yeah, you were there yeah, where they came. The like, but I don't have enough money for that, so I just can't. <laughs> no, that's a cool element. I was gonna bring that up, a day to remember, because they always do the beach balls and like yeah, blow up dolls, like totally. uh, toilet paper and the it crowd surfing on the crowd server and stuff. And that's yeah. kind of what we were trying to do, I guess, for this show. I was gonna actually get some beach balls for that one, but I ended up not getting those because they were out when I went to the store. <laughs> so I just got the confetti cannons, but I uh, know I just thought the crowd would think it is pretty cool. I guess no, that was oh, pretty yeah. cool because I saw that too. I was like, they, they, they shot a confetti cannon. Yeah. That, that just happened. I guess yeah. it was cool. three times, and in the last, the very last one, it didn't go off at the very <laughs> end, and it was just the worst. But oh well, you Complete know. Done. <laughs> no, that was cool, man. And speaking of live shows, you guys were on tour a while back, right? Yeah. What was that experience like? It was awesome. It was awesome. Ever- eventful, very. Eventful. Yeah, we ran into a lot of obstacles for sure. Um, well. I think for most of us, it was our first tour. For Logan, I think it was his second tour. Yeah. And, you know, you you think about it when you see other bands on tour and people that are signed and all this stuff, and it looks awesome, and you see all these videos of them going crazy and stuff, And but what you really never see is the stuff, like, behind the scenes, and so this tour definitely exposed that side of touring to us. I, and I understand that, you know, we're, we're a newer band, and it's obviously going to be a little bit tougher in the beginning for mm-hmm. sure, but still, like, you know, you even if you're in a band that's made it, quote unquote made it uh you still have to make sure like you and the band members are you know super tight together you know you're you're good friends if you do come across differences you you work it out you know because if you're not like really really good friends with each other i no matter if you're signed or if, or whatever you're like that band isn't going to last very long so that's just kind of like for me personally this tour kind of showed that there's a lot of other things that contribute to bands and touring and stuff like that other than just playing shows and having a good time and stuff like that absolutely it was a lot of work uh we had two flat tires like in a oh, period yeah. of like two days Dude. um it was the same tire too <laughs> yeah so we, we did get stuck in like a, a parking lot at a truck stop for like 24 hours waiting <laughs> for one of the tires to be fixed. shout out to love and there is you literally do like we lived at love's gas station for please fix your potholes about a day and there's some weird freaking people man, oh, man. like yeah, those truckers dude like are weird like one time i think there was one lady that came over and she's like hey do you guys have any money and i'm like no <laughs> no, uh, no i don't I'm, I'm, on, I'm in a band i'm on tour i'm broke right now <laughs> like probably more broke than you and then she was just like she didn't even say anything she just looked at me and, and just walked, walked away. away yeah and i was just in my mind i'm like Whoa, and then right. there was that trucker with the parrot <laughs> yeah he was cruising was with the cool, parrot though. he literally was sitting out there and he walked into Imagine the gas station and all of a sudden this this parrot he just pops out and was sitting there staring at us and we're like oh my gosh it is a real life parrot yeah this guy has a companion for his trips <laughs> kenneth you were the original vocalist yeah. in the band right what made you guys decide to add a second vocalist in blake to bring back some of the history of the band blake had actually done some of the vocals before okay. we officially made yeah everything. okay i'll clarify this a little bit it, when the before the band even started before it was even the lake attacks everybody or whatever i did some demos with one of the original members and uh i actually had a part in writing some of the melodies for one or two of the songs and 
then it, things just didn't work out and I just, you know, kind of just dropped off of that project and went and did my own thing and then they started We Were Giants. And then after um, one of the original members decided to go and do his own thing, they asked if I would be up for the job. So, and took a little pushing and shoving, but I finally got on board <laughs> and it's been awesome ever since, man. Like, it's just really cool because it just happened to work out to the point where like we're all really good friends and that's really like it's really important for me at least to be in a band where I'm really good friends with the members and like I'd hang out with these dudes even if I weren't in the same band with these guys so yeah like it's dope Absolutely. yeah I've seen a lot of bands break up because they don't have that, that you know yeah, they're just that, like they treat it as natural, like a business yeah exactly and not it's have fun with chemistry it. you do have to have that aspect though like you still like you still got to get along everybody has to everybody has to have like their creative input and it's it's like teamwork really you can't really just have somebody doing their own thing and like dictating the whole show it's more of like a democratic approach to everything we all have input we all have ideas and we all try to shape it whatever we're doing whether it's writing stage performance to, to make it better we still try our best to approach it kind of like a business would you know, you still got to maintain that professional level when you're talking to venues and when you're talking to other bands about getting on shows and tours, like you want to just maintain a certain level of professionalism with that. But yeah, as far as Blake getting on, I remember asking him, I was like, hey, Blake, um, we would really like to have you try out and come do some vocals for us. And he initially turned us down. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Listen, the first time they wanted me to play the bass too, and I, I was, I was on board with it. But like, man, I just, I'm not like a fan of playing the bass. I'll do it. Like, I, I don't, I, because I record and stuff all the time, so I do it like recording. But it's just not one of my passions, you know. And I can't really bring to the table what I bring to the table now while playing bass at the same time. And so that's initially the reason why it's kind of like, yeah, maybe maybe I'm not the guy for you guys. So that was initially the first kind of no, I guess. And then they kind of came back and asked if I wanted to just do vocals. And then I think I said no again. Yeah. But then I said yeah, so it's cool. Basically, <laughs> basically what we were trying to do was we were trying to incorporate a different style with our music and on the melodies and stuff like that. And our... We've just felt like Blake had a good range and wanted to try to get him on board for it because we want to incorporate as much possibilities as yeah, we can. Yeah, demographics, exactly. man. Exactly. Did you have to adjust your style, though, and what you were doing before to mesh? Um, yeah, because once, once the other member left, he did all the, the clean singings live and recordings and stuff like that. So we, me and Josh were picking up that piece live, and then we were just trying to come up with a better way to just make it bigger and we needed another another body another so, voice another voice so we so, had to bring in yeah. we had a certain like goal and message we want to you know bring to the table with the band and what we're talking about and Blake definitely shares that view with us so that makes it a lot easier too so have you seen the demographic broaden yeah now with the oh, different styles? absolutely 100% yeah sometimes you we we get on shows to where the bill's super, super heavy. And <laughs> like Last like night. yesterday's show when we played at the Shredder. Deathcore um, show. And yeah, it was super heavy. Like we were the softest band on the bill by f probably like 
a hundredfold, <laughs> I'd say, which is crazy um, to, for some people that already think we're heavy enough as it is to hear. But I'm being 100% serious. Like, it was crazy. But then we get other shows to where everybody's kind of like there with their sons and daughters and stuff yeah. like that. So that's kind of like where I guess – I would appeal a little bit more. So it's kind of just back and forth between those kind of two demographics. And so that's new fans you wouldn't have before potentially. Yeah, right? for sure. So. Yeah. We're, it's kind of opened up a, a whole broad spectrum. We're trying to not seclude ourselves into just being like a, a metal band that just has the unclean vocals. We want, we want the, the aspect of having a lot of like melodies and harmonies and everything so that people, to people sing can along. sing along and you know it can reach you know a, a lot larger population and a lot more people can get into it that's kind of how like band like data remember can open up for revenge sevenfold right, right. i mean because so they can cross over both platforms there, yeah. and they can bring new fans or their fans and Avenged brings their fans and it just meshes mm-hmm. together so yeah. talking about going into songwriting a little bit so sometimes you know songs or lyrics might not be exactly as they seem mm-hmm. is that the case with your some of your music where there might be hidden metaphors within Absolutely. the songs yeah originally the idea of we were giants and what we wanted to talk about was to have the lyrics so broad that people can you know have a way to relate with their personal lives and their personal situations and stuff like that while appealing to the people who deal with societal issues and stuff like that so people who don't necessarily fit into a certain mold we want people to be able to listen to the music and be like wait i kind of relate to that you know? right and yeah. in a positive aspect too it's like there's some harsh lyrics that are like really truthful and they come across like in a mean demeanor but in in reality that's why we have the clean vocals as well to come bring in the the light aspect of it and right painting that bigger picture so. yeah that's kind of like the it's hard to explain, I guess, but if I had to, the best way I would describe We Were Giants is we're basically trying to spread a light in like a dark place because with depression and anxiety and stuff like that, you know, you can't just go to somebody and just be super happy about it and be like, come join me over on the other side and and, and be in heaven over here and just stop worrying about things. It just doesn't work that way. And so I guess we're just trying to be more of a... Translator. Right, to where we understand where you're at and it's not really, it's not fun and it's not uh, upbeat or anything like that, really. And so that's like kind of the point of like the heaviness of the band is it's just more of like a, you know, we understand kind of. I, <laughs> I can't really explain it better than that. It's just some of the screaming vocals are basically kind of more like a, I seen what our lives will be, you know, if we don't do something, if we don't rise up, if we don't at least try and make a stand to to make our lives better, you know? And so it's just, yeah, it's, it's just kind of uh, a misconception because some people are like, oh, you guys are a heavy band. So you're just screaming because you're angry. And it's like, no, we're not, we're not screaming because we're angry. We're just, we're screaming just because that's how you feel when you're down and, and depressed and, and all that stuff, you know, it's just, I don't know. That's just the best way I can explain it. I don't know. Yeah. As far as like the writing process goes, late well, I mean, initially for the EP, one of the one of the uh, founding members who's no longer part of the band 
did pretty much a majority of the writing aspect of it. Um, since his departure from the band and, you know, the rest of us filling in, it's uh, the writing process has been a little more democratic, if you will, with everybody having their, their own response. But for the most part, uh, either Josh and I will come up with some kind of a song idea, and he and I both, like, have the know-how on how to, like, write and produce produce like a whole song so for the most part we'll create like a skeleton of a song we'll record all the guitars the bass and we'll we use computer programming to write the drum tracks um so then we'll we'll write that and then for the drum tracks i'll send them to the drummer michael so he can review them and see what he wants to do and how he wants to change it up and that's what he'll do is he'll usually rewrite it to the way he wants to play it and put fills in that he wants to play and you know sometimes like i'll write something that's that's heavy but we need more more of a chorus and stuff like that so sometimes we have to go back and we do editing and like say hey this needs more of a chorusy part and less less of a, a verse and you know so that's that's kind of the process lately yeah basically we just produce ourselves and then we learn the song after we produce ourselves yeah, we, we produce a whole song. We have everybody agree that that's the way we want it to be. And then we kind of come through and we start doing vocals over top of the song that's been written. And after we do that, then we come back through, we record like the, they call it the, the DI, which is the direct injection. So we do that for the guitars and the bass. And, uh, you know, we just write out the drums via MIDI. And uh, we actually have a producer who's down in Southern California. He goes. He's, his name is Julian Rodriguez. He was uh, the guitarist of Elitist. Uh, he produces, he mixes and masters everything. So when we get a song finished like that, we track it all. And we write the MIDI drums kind of deal, and then we send it down to him, and he polishes it off and makes it like a masterpiece ready yeah. to release. That's pretty much the whole process. And that all being said, I have to ask about the bass player. So is, is there a reason not to have one in the band or just that's kind of how it worked out we kind of we we had a couple bassists that were in the band josh actually was the original bassist for the band and he uh ended up switching over to guitar which is his more natural position um and then we tried out a few people and just didn't really vibe well with them and Jeff over here came up with the idea. I'm going to let him go back into it. <laughs> um, so we, we solved the issue of needing a bass player. So pretty much what we do is uh, we track the bass, the direct injection, the DI. We track that with the backing tracks that play through the PA. Uh, it just sends out a different output of that interface that we have. Uh, so it sends a dry bass signal that we've already got tracked for the song to that sans amp, which produces the bass tone that we use. And then it splits it off to the ampeg, so you hear it on stage, and then the other uh, signal goes to the front of the house, and that's what you hear through the PA. So, that's kind of our so basically we record before we play a show or anything, we record the bass parts for each song one time, then we use that recording and put it with the backtrack. So when the backtracks play, the bass plays. It eliminates invisible bass. Right. It eliminates the need for another person on stage. It just, I mean, it's it's not that we're against like having a bassist or anything. Yeah, nothing like that. Just, it's just everyone that we've had try to be part of the band just never really committed to that, and it's you know, bassists are few and far right between. And I'll be honest, I didn't really notice it 
until musically when you're at the show, you don't until somebody pointed out they're like they don't have a bass player. I was like looking around, yeah, yeah. They, they don't. There's nobody <laughs> playing the bass, but it, it works. I mean, awesome. yeah. About the songwriting again, is there a place that each of you go, like you dig down deep and you go like somewhere to write the songs that you do? I I lock myself away from society for at least five hours a day when I'm writing. Don't really talk to people. And I come up with ideas and write lyrics and all that kind of stuff. I have like my own little setup kind of studio in my house that I just go to and I write out complete ideas or lyrics or whatever um, or record them um, just to see what they sound like and kind of just, yeah, isolate myself in a little room basically. Yeah. For the uh, instrumental part, it's just as easy as coming up with one guitar riff that you want to build on. Um, just kind of come up with an idea, and you're like, hey, that's something I really like. It's really catchy. Let's build upon that, and then, you know, it evolves into a whole song. I've, I've been playing guitar since I was 14. It's just for what I do to, I don't know, kind of express myself and get away from life sometimes, you know. It's just that kind of realm that I get to go to when I'm just playing. I kind of forget everything. It's It's kind of nice. And, you know, some bands prefer the studio. Some prefer to be on tour, on the stage, that kind of thing. What motivates We Were Giants the most? I think what motivates us all the most, like, as a whole, probably, like, the main thing would probably be we just want to do this for the rest of our lives. Like, <laughs> I can't, I literally, and I think I can speak for everyone else in the band, like, I literally can't think, and I've been thinking about it for Ever since I graduated high school, even before I graduated high school, there is literally nothing on this earth that I would rather be doing than playing music on a stage and recording in a recording studio. It's just, I just feel like I was just made to do this. Like, I just, that's, I don't know. The lucky thing for us is we have we have all the, the makings that it needs to like pretty much be our own studio. So we don't have to actually go to a studio. We do it all ourselves at home. I mean, that's that's what's kind of nice. We don't have to pay by the hour to try to, like, get our ideas in in that short amount of time. It's like if we have an idea, we have unlimited amount of time to do it. But I, I think we all feed on that that energy that you get at a live show. You know, oh, that, yeah. It's addicting, man. That, that's, like that, that's like the ultimate rush, you know. When, yeah. when we're on stage, there's a crowd that's just there that's into it that wants to be part of the energy. It's just like everybody's... Even, like, even not, not even... I mean, yeah, he's definitely right. When the crowd's into it, it's, like, ten times better and everything. But even just practicing, dude, like, when we're practicing and just jamming out, just having a good time, it's, even that has its own little vibe that it's just, like, you always just want to be in that. Yeah. Um, for recording, though, it can be, to get everything right, it could be a long, tedious process. Like, you have a specific idea for something, and there's a lot of layers and stuff that you have to you know, incorporate into just, like, one simple song. So it's really, really time-consuming. It's a lot of work. So I definitely like the aspect of, like, playing live because we get to, like, just put our energy into the live show and be part of the crowd and, you know, kind of of be in the moment with all that energy, whereas, you know, writing and recording and stuff like that, it's, like, it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, you know... Is this good? Is this not good? No, this isn't good. I'm going to redo this. Oh, I shouldn't have redid that. My biggest deal... Is for the music and everything, what gets me like going up on the stage and getting in the studio and everything. And I feel like I've I've failed at a lot of jobs in my life, man. Like <laughs> I can't I've done dishwasher, I've tried to pick up dog crap for a living, I tried to, you know, like I just 
Car wash. Car wash, dude. Pizza oh, place. Man. Pizza place. Everything you can imagine. I just, I've not seemed to get it. And the only thing I feel like I'm able to succeed at is, is getting up and doing music. And it's also delivering a message. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to help people understand, like, I know there's some pe- rough people out there and have some rough situations and everything. I'm in one right now, except for the only thing that's getting me going is this band and my friends here. You know what I mean? This is like a brotherhood. and Yeah, I think like, we've all been in, like, we've all been in really tough situations, and all we want to do is just kind of not only sympathize with people and share that, you know, we understand what, what you're going through, e- even if we don't understand the actual issue, we understand what you're going through exactly. in general. And there I'm is a sure. way to to beat it. And uh, I think, like, that's just, that's really what we we want to spread the most as of right now at least is just you know you can beat a tough situation you know yeah just just all coming together for the same same reasons like we we all have troubles in our day-to-day lives we all have difficult times in our lives we all have moments where they're you know not you know you have good good parts of life too but uh one thing we all generally have in common at least people who come to our shows is we all love music it affects us all in different ways but it it brings us all together as like a giant family i like to be able to do that in boise because especially for our genre it's been really hard to to get metalcore in its sense back up and running again like back in 2008 it was like the venue was open metalcore bands were coming all the time now nowadays you see a lot of the bands that are in our genre just skip over boise so we're trying to bring that life back to Boise and make it another spot on the map that people want to stop at again. You and know? it's one step closer right now. That's why I'm so <laughs> I'm so stoked about it. Like, Especially with all the local bands yeah. you know, that are going out and still driving and playing shows, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, we can't do play shows without anyone. You know what I mean? And right. There's got like Abbasy and you know Fire Falls. Falls and Traders Gate and Vault Seven. You know, I, the list goes on. Those guys have been around trying to do the same thing as we are and. It's hard. so it's hard out here, but it's so cool to see like everyone's it's, still yeah. going for the passion and trying to do the same thing, which is music. Yeah, everybody's out there grinding, especially locally, and it's cool to see because I've been a part of the music scene here locally for a long time, and yeah. now more than ever, I've seen a lot of support amongst the bands for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, playing yeah, shows right. with each other, promoting yeah. each other, like lifting each other up, and that's kind of what we need instead of you know Absolutely. the opposite. Yeah, I think in the past that's kind of what we've. There's been, like, this kind of segregation of genres, I feel like. You know, you play, like, an older, you know, type of metal, or you play metalcore, or you play hard rock. Everybody wanted to, like, segregate themselves into, like, hey, this is our group of people, but, like, it's finally kind of coming together. Yeah. And everybody's, like, breaking the mold and, like, yeah. hey. We're all playing We're, we're, we're all, all playing doing music, the same thing. We're all, we're all playing guitars, drums. Reasons. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do it together, and that's what we need, I think. I'm all for seeing different styles share the same stage on the same yeah. show, you know, and broaden that, that demographic. And you guys are right, nothing beats a live show. I mean, even for us, like, we're up there for, like, 30 seconds when we introduce you guys, but that's still a rush in itself just doing yeah. that, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and even, like, the next day for me, I get depressed because I'm like, oh, I want to do that again. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm going to have to wait three weeks till the next show. <laughs> but, story uh, of our lives, man. <laughs> also, you guys have a pretty big social media following yeah. right and what's what's been the key for you guys to build that well facebook got really tricky over the few years you know if you have a certain amount of likes on facebook you have to pay in order to reach your demographic even though they're already liking your page which ah the algorithms suck but before that happened uh me and 
previous members, we legitimately were on Facebook every day, like hours, hours, messaging people, hey, go check our stuff out. Hey, go like our stuff. I literally had nightmares for months <laughs> because that's like all I saw was the Facebook and social media <laughs> and trying to promote and all that kind of stuff. And I know, I know that over the past years when we were now getting to the lineup where we are now, we kind of dipped off on a lot of the social media stuff. But when we did release our EP, we had some backing with like Alternative Press. They did an a, um, article with us and helped release our uh, single, Dead Society. And so that helped a lot too. So yeah, just a lot of grinding. But now we're back on and starting to promote more again. So the, yeah. the hard, I think the hardest part is like being a band that's not like made it, you know, quote unquote. It's hard for other venues to even want to like care, you know. It's like right, you yeah. email them constantly, "Hey, we'd we'd like to open for a show at your venue, at you know some some place out of state," and they just never reply yeah, or like, they yeah, never need someone from our city. Never need help, you know. It's like, oh, we don't need support for that show. It's like, well, what do you need support for? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. Um, it's like, you, you know, starting from the, the ground up. Like you have to like every day. It's it's almost like a full time job. Like. It is hitting up these and and nowadays it's these small promoters that throw shows at the venue so when you talk to the venue they're like oh you got to talk to the the people who are promoting it the the promoters of the show so then you got to go over to this third party who's throwing it and then you have to convince them hey we want to get on the bill this and this and this you know and then you have to prove what you got um that's kind of how we got on that uh, battle of the bands up in seattle's you know we it was right time right place kind of deal the promoter actually did get back to us, and we were able to get a spot on that show up there at El Corazon. That was our first time at that venue. And we're just, you know, just trying to get our foot in the door in those other venues is the hardest part. Like, we've done it here all day long, all the venues around here, but if you want to try to make it big, you have to, like, go out out, out of the city, yeah. out, of, out of the state of Idaho, and you have to go to other places. And that's the hardest part, is you have to make these brand-new connections and start, like, from ground zero everywhere you go. What channels are you on, and where do you want to send people to check you guys out? Instagram. Uh, don't we have a uh, Snapchat? We do have a Snapchat. Have Snapchat. I don't know if we ever use it or not, but we have one. We have one. We definitely have one. Mainly Facebook and yeah. Instagram. If you message us on Facebook, it's... Basically it, just makes, just Facebook. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll, you'll get a, a quick response if you get us on Facebook. If you try it like Twitter or something, we may not, we don't check it as much. So. And what do you guys do outside of music? Since we've talked about music for this entire 40 minutes what do you do outside of that well right now let's see i just got a job uh marketing and sales and i'm uh working at a temp agency uh and trying to find a place to live living in the van that's what happens you know what i mean trying that's, to make it as a musician that's the band life Dude, man. that is the band literally line. just <laughs> i mean that's literally what's up it, seriously that's how far we're willing to take it yeah, I, I'm I'm the old guy in the band, so you know I, I've been around a few more years. So I work as a registered nurse. Um, actually, I have two kids. I'm the old dude. Yeah. Like, Dang. I have one uh, a, a son that just turned one, uh, and he's got a an older brother that's seven. Dad guy Jeff. And you know I, I'm the guy who kind of. Josh and I are the guys who put like the set together, so we put a lot of work and effort. It takes hours upon hours to get that set set up to the way that it needs to be. So if I'm not working or hanging out with the kids, then I'm working with the band or I'm working on the sets. You know, I'm all my free time just 
is going, you know, kids work or, or the band. It's, it's essentially a second job in itself. Like if you want to build it, you have to, you have to keep with it and you have to keep building it. <laughs> like you can't just like, can't like half ass it pretty much. You can't just be like, Oh, this is something we do on the weekends. Like if you, if you want to make it and you want people to come to your shows and you have to do the work and you have to get people there. And that means going outside of your comfort zone, talking to people you usually wouldn't talk to. Like last night at the Shredder, that's usually not the the crowd that follows us. Like that's a, a very specific crowd. We're too Justin Bieber for them. <laughs> uh, they're uh, they're real particular in their music. They like it really really heavy. But that being said, we notified people there that we had tickets for the show coming up at the Knitting Factory, and I think we handed out seventy six at that show alone. So yeah, I mean, still people at that show are really nice. I thought, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I, mean, I was good. surprised. Was decent. I didn't think we were gonna get any crowd response at all. We got a decent crowd response, man, and that yeah, I had a lot of fun at that show for sure. So I work at a wholesale tire warehouse, <laughs> tires and wheels. So that's what I do for my day job. And then other than that, I basically am either I write my own stuff. Like at my house, like I'll map out drums and record guitar and vocals or whatever. But if I'm not doing that, I'm working on something with the band or practicing or handing out tickets or whatever. That or I'll ride my motorcycle around and go vroom vroom, go vroom, vroom dude. Yeah, so I mean, it's not terrible, but I'm just trying to tour and do this for a living. I think I and think we all are. Like the entire warehouse. We're we're trying to put in the work. Even me, like. You know, even if I don't make as much money as I do doing what I do right now, you know, it, it's still like the dream, no matter what. Even if it's so you tell them what Josh is. Yeah, um, oh, Josh, yeah. he works at the Cheesecake Factory as a server. Um, so go to the Cheesecake Factory and ask yeah. Josh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tip him really go, well. Go harass really well. Josh. Tip him really well because the better really well. you tip him, the more money we get to put in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and Michael, he is about to start school soon for nursing program. He's going to um, become a Jeff. He's going to follow in my footsteps, I guess. So, like I said, I'm the old guy, so everybody's, you know, I've already done it once. You know, whatever they, whatever they haven't done. Jeff. I'm not going to become a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I'm rooting for you guys to be able to do this full time, yeah, all the time. You, yeah, of course. So, a couple of oddball questions. I always have to throw some of these in. I'm a big '90s guy. I always have to ask a '90s question at least. Just watched Wayne's World too. Oh yes. Do you guys yeah. have a favorite '90s movie? Blake, um, you want to take that? No, one first? don't make me go first, oh, okay. dude. This, no, that sucks. You got to go first. Uh, there, there's so, there's so many good '90s movies. Um, oh, uh, I got one. Go ahead, Blake. We'll do yours first. Okay. <laughs> Is The Breakfast Club a '90s I, I, movie? I think it's before the '90s. No. That's before the 90s? It's the 80s. That's the 80s. Oh, man. Well, if, if you ask me what movie I liked in the 80s, it's that one. Um, the 90s. What about Toy Story? That, does that count? Because I was in Toy Story. I think so. Dude, it, when it was the 90s, I was like seven, six, In, in the 90s, five, I was all about four. Ninja Turtles, man, because <laughs> like, I was still young. You know? I was like, Ninja Turtles, um, I, I think a movie that I, I just recently recalled that I wanted to see when it was in theaters was Ace Ventura. I was Jeez. totally yeah. down with oh, that movie. Star Wars, Star Wars Episode One, my still to this day one of my favorite movies ever. I know like people rip on the newer prequels, and I totally get you and I understand it, but also I don't really care. So <laughs> he's a Jar Jar. I know. Okay, yeah. No, I'm I don't like that. <laughs> that is literally the only thing about that movie I hated <laughs> was Jar Jar Binks, dude. I was so glad they stopped using him in the other movies. But yeah, yeah no, sorry. 
Sorry, I, I love that movie, even to this day. <laughs> that, that fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul at the end, like after Qui-Gon dies, just number one. Absolutely <laughs> number one, just prime. So Mine probably would be Men in Black. Is, is that a 90s? I think. Yeah. Does anyone remember, like, Johnny Tsunami? On the, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was a good one. Jeff and I might be around the same age because your references to Ninja Turtles. Like, that's all I, I did Ninja was play with Ninja Turtle that's, that's figurines. That's all I wanted when I was a kid is Ninja Turtles and uh, Power Rangers. Uh, I, was oh, all, Power I was all Rangers about Power Rangers. Oh, man. yeah, Power yeah. Rangers. I was, like, sure. I was like, yeah, the, the original Power too. Rangers. <laughs> yeah. What's yes. your favorite 90s movie? So, Wayne, well, the Wayne's Worlds 1 and 2 are, are one oh, of those. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't believe I forgot about that. Which yeah, was I just it was just on Amazon last last night. I was like, I got, I'm gonna watch this. Uh, it's been a while, but also uh, this kind of counts. But like the first American Pie, I think, was in '99. Oh, so that, oh, oh dude, Blink One Eighty Two is in it too. Because yeah. I also very much like that movie yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like my my growing up. It, it just. I don't know. It kind of tells a story of like all of us growing yeah. up. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's very Super real. <laughs> yeah, all the awkward stuff that the like dad, we actually dude, go the through. Dad on yeah. that oh my god, he's my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was one of the good ones. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then that being said, too, are you guys Game of Thrones guys? Oh, I am definitely this guy the is. Game of Thrones guy. I don't really watch a whole lot of TV. I'm, I'm ready for tomorrow's episode for sure. So I just finally started getting into it, so I'm only a couple seasons in. Oh, I'm not so. going to ruin it for you then. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask is, do you have a character that you kind of can relate to? Um... Oh, if I could relate to him, that I mean, I don't want to like just give go too for much the away, crazy one. But uh, the crazy one, yeah, yeah. dude. Just, um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe uh, Jon Snow. I would, I would assume, just because uh, where he gets to later on in the the seasons, you'll find out. He becomes a very key um, character in in the show. That makes sense. Um, it kind of seems like he's going to right now, from where I'm at. You can tell he's gonna be a badass i think at some point yeah or already is. What, what season are you on uh, i just got into three into three and i see what's he doing right now he's oh. hanging out with the uh the wonderlings or whatever they're called oh the wildlings the wildlings yes, wildlings, yes, yes. yes. yeah so so he just went north of the wall and discovered yep. the wildlings for the first time you've got there's a lot of stuff to come <laughs> the other big show that i'm kind of big on and i think everybody else is um, except for maybe these guys rick and morty I'm I'm a big Rick and Morty fan. Yeah. Josh and I are like diehard fans for it. It's amazing. I love it. Man, I've tried like three times because everybody talks <laughs> about it. I'm like, all right, I want to understand this. I want to get these references. I just I don't know why I can't. It doesn't stick with me. Like yeah. I, get a, I get a couple yeah. episodes in. I'm like, ah, I just I don't know. I live in a van, so I don't get to watch much TV right now. So. <laughs> I live in a house, and I don't watch that much TV. I, I just I don't know. I just kind of after a while, you know, you watch Netflix. And you just watch all the shows, and then, well, the biggest thing was the person I was living with who had it moved out, and I just didn't even have it. And then once I had access to it again, I just had no interest in going back and watching TV. I don't know what it is. I, I can't do it anymore. Next yeah. time you go on to Netflix, so try, there's a show called Ozark. I don't know if Loved seen it. it. Yeah, oh. it's kind of it kind of reminded me of Breaking Bad, yeah, sort they, of. They said they're going to release the second season very soon. I just saw a trailer for it, and yeah, it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. And Stranger um, Things is pretty good, too. It took me a while to get Str- into that one, too. Stranger Things, way awesome. And they're coming out with the new season in October. Like I'm, I'm like I'm like the total TV Boy, buff guy here. Yes. Like, I just... Is there a trick anyway. to Rick and Morty? Like, is there a certain episode that I have to watch that'll um, try the Pickle Rick thing that everybody keeps talking about? Pickle Rick, yeah. It's a, Pickle Rick is, is like, <laughs> amazing. Um, you're at the Day to Remember show? Yeah, did you see? Yeah, yep. Did you see the Ovation He's Pickle so Rick guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's like right in the category. Like if you were one of the guys who liked Family Guy or The Simpsons, it's just like edgier and a little like it's stepping the line a little further in those ones, if if you will. And the creativity of it, because of like the premise of the whole show, is you know infinite universes. It could be anything, um, but it's it's really the humor, like the dark humor in it, that makes it super appealing to me. Anyway, I guess a lot of people yeah, watch. I mean, you kind of have to get through the first season the second season like it starts getting a little bit better and a, a little bit better writing like it's kind of kind of slow to pick up at first but after you get through the second season and start on the third then then i think you might have a better feel for it it's just kind of getting past that first season just because it's there the whole introduction of the whole show and everything and i, f- I feel like the writing has just gotten better over the seasons <laughs> all right i guess i'll have to give it one more one more go around <laughs> and then uh this is an interesting question so for those of you that are in relationships, or maybe if you're not interested, if you get approached by a groupie, per se, <laughs> how do you let them down politely? Is there a way to do that? Jeff? Oh, yeah. Jeff? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's happened to me once or twice. Um, you know, you just kind of like do a spin-off <laughs> of nice. it. You're just like, hey, thanks for coming out. Yeah, and then you let's... pretend like you get kind of busy or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, we... shoot, I got to go. I got to go. Uh... We, we could definitely hang out, but we got to. We have to go get ready for our set. So I'm, we have I'm, to take our stuff down. You know, right I'm, I'm going to go backstage right now. I, I got to take care of some stuff real quick. Then I won't spend so much time around that person just because I. I mean, I'll I'll stay high to them and be like pleasant about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but you don't want to just. Be... I don't want to be like. I don't want to be rude and be like, no, you know, I don't want. I want to be that kind of jerk yeah. person, you know, just kind of, you know, hey, oh, that's awesome, you know, take it, take it as a compliment, and I'm like, okay, well, we'll, we'll see you around, and I hope to see you right up front in the show, and they're like, yeah, you know, but then <laughs> we have a barricade in between, yeah, <laughs> and, and some security guards, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but then, you know, as soon as we do our set, we're our own roadies, so we have a lot of work to do right after the show, carrying all of our stuff off stage. So it's like at that point, like I'm way too busy to like focus on anything like that. That's a good way out too. like, oh, I got to haul the stuff off the stage. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so what one band, if you could, would you want to share the stage with someday? For me, it would be a day to remember. They've been my favorite band since I heard their, the very first song I heard of them was 1958. That was, yeah, that was before they blew up and got big. They just barely signed to Victory Records, and they were going to re-release their, um, uh, for those who have Heart uh, album. Uh, they are actually in Boise because they did a show with uh, another band called Driverside Impact, and I actually got to hang out with them before they blew up and got huge. Um, yeah, and I, I got pretty drunk with uh with neil and alex i think it was like a second time getting drunk ever we had like a case of keystone and you know just it was a good time it was winter it was snow everywhere but uh, i got to be the the fanboy and ask them a million questions and they were nice enough to answer every single one of them (laughs) i i do have a band i want to say it but it's just so far out of our genre it never happened it doesn't matter all right i want to share a stage with all-time low I freaking love that band, dude. If I could be on the same like on the same show with those guys, I'd just be like just a dream come true for me because those dudes are so rad, man. Hey, okay. it makes you feel better. We had a band in here that uh, the guitar player said his inspiration was Nickelback. So oh, okay. just throwing that out <laughs> All there. All right, so I don't feel don't so do bad that. about it. <laughs> Mine, I have three of them. Is that okay? Yeah, totally. Okay, one would probably be Parkway Drive because mm. I just. 
He likes Australia. Uh, I love nice. Australia, but I love, <laughs> dude, those guys just have got me through a lot. So that's one of them. The other one would be Bring Me the Horizon. Okay, I was literally just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. I should have said also Bring Me the Horizon, but yeah. I didn't, but now I just did. So For me, if it wasn't a day to remember, it would definitely be Bring Me the Horizon. I went to their show up in Seattle at the Washington Mutual Amphitheater. 5,000 people there. Best show of my entire life that I've ever seen, ever. Killed it. Oh, with Under Oath was opening a Beartooth. It was the best show that I've ever been to. Oh, I'd also like to share a stage with Beartooth. Too. Beartooth, Beartooth or Under Oath. You know, any one of those bands would be But good. Beartooth, though. And then my third one would probably be Kesha. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> with her new really? single, dude. Really? <laughs> Actually, is very good. I've not it heard that name good. in a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like to bring <laughs> people back to old pop stars. <laughs> One thing that, you know, when you're in a band, a lot of people don't think about or forget about is the people that bust their asses behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So now you have Scott over here as an yeah. official manager of the band. Woo woo! How does that change the game for you guys? Um, it takes a load probably it off takes of a Logan's back. Yeah, my back, dude. Scott has definitely proven himself. He's been there, for, you know, for how long now? How long? A year. About, yeah, a year. Wow. He's been, he's been sweating and breaking his back for us and helping us move and work on booking and everything, keeping me sane mainly because I – everyone knows that I have a short fuse. Continuously getting shorter, but Scott <laughs> definitely helps out a lot, so he's definitely taken on a – I feel like as a band we all collectively, like – try our best to like do like bookings and stuff like that those are a little tricky but as far as like i don't know he's as big a part of the band as probably anybody else that's in it yeah um he's there every single show that he's able to be there he's always the first one there to he helps you know, us with gear yeah he helps us Loading load in and out lo- you know he uh he helps keeps he, us organized, he helps keeps everything put together and he pitches he, ideas like yeah. good ideas all the time about hey we should contact this guy about this or valuable or feedback you know and then like the the whole professionalism part of it you know we're trying to trying to maintain that and he helps kind of create that standard and keep it where we need it to be with everybody so it, it's kind of like the glue that glues everybody together <laughs> if you will yeah. perfect and he hit me up to get you guys in here to do this so exactly yeah. and now you're here now so, so. Well, there you go yeah. so uh real quick too i'm kind of an art geek i do a little graphic stuff in my spare time too the uh, dead society ep how do you come about the artwork for that that actually was our old member he he came up with the idea we were running through he had just it was made by dylan hamer yeah dylan hamer we'll give him credit <laughs> it, was made, we'll it definitely. was made by dylan hamer dylan hamer and most of the ep he uh he definitely went through a lot of ideas in Photoshop and doing what he does and uh we were just nitpicked everything and he finally was like, I think this would be a good one and we're all were like, Yeah. So it just kinda of brought a a vibe to the E P that we wanted to It's a cool piece. Yeah, dude. I, don't I mean lie. it's I like it a lot. Curious. The rest of us aren't, aren't terribly great at uh, graphic design, so at at this point we are we are kind of outsourcing our graphic designs and uh, stuff like that just because we're not terribly talented at that. <laughs> I don't think most bands are. It's rare yeah. that bands can do their own graphics. I did notice you shared our uh, support local music graphic at one point on yes. social media. Now here's the thing with that is that you know I feel like I guess as bands start to progress and grow, they kind of forget about their roots, you know. And so, what does the local piece mean to you guys? And we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, it's it's really what's got us to where we are. Started out just a small band that had some buzz going around, and the EP dropped. You know that that hit a number of people, but uh, it was really us putting in the 
the hours and doing the shows locally that built up the fan base to what it is now. Made a lot of good friends that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're getting here with the support of, you know, venues like the Knitting Factory or radio stations like 100.3 The X. Those are big assets to have. Having friends in the music scene is ideal. Like that, I mean, it's it's almost a must. You can't can't be a band that's you know thinks, thinks they're better. You have to have a lot of money. Yeah, you can't you can't really. I mean, being a band that just thinks you're above everybody else and like you know better than anything uh, doesn't really get you anywhere besides nowhere. You know, yeah, um, sure. you. You know, we like we it. all started at the same place. Like all these other local bands, they all start off with nobody knowing who they are, trying to make a name for themselves. And it's it's really going to be us helping each other that's going to bring the whole scene back to life. Yeah, it's a super important thing, the local piece. I mean, I've been involved in it probably since early 2000s, like definitely over 15 years, you know, and that's kind of what's gotten me to where I am now, being, you know, involved in it the way I am. And, being involved in it on the radio station side too, because um, I used to you know book and promote shows for Boise State way back in the day. So, and I've just seen it. I've seen it grow a lot since back then. But it's really propelled I me. Mean, that's why I'm doing this now. You know, all these podcasts and doing different things involved with the local scene is just because I want to see it get to that point where it pushes you guys, you know, to where you want to be. And yeah. I think it's like it feels like it's it's getting there. You know, yeah, it's getting to that point. Oh, for sure. It's it's growing and it's. There's artists like August Burns Red, who's, you know, they nearly sold out the Knitting Factory the last time they played here, but their most recent tour, they skipped over Boise again. And it's like, you know, I want to be that city that everybody wants to go to, that everybody wants to go to those shows. And, uh, you know, I think that's my my biggest hope locally. Last thing is, what comes next for you guys for the band? More recording, another tour, more confetti cannons? Um, oh, yeah, more confetti cannons. <laughs> for confetti. sure. Definitely confetti cannons. Um, so we're, balls, we're, we're, we're still in the, the midst we'll of writing it. our um, next album. We'll be releasing a couple new tracks uh, at the headlining show. Um, so pretty much just uh, finishing up the writing for that album we also have a music video that's in the works for one of the songs on that album that we're going to release as a single uh we have been playing it pretty steadily we played it at the last show as well just kind of keep your eyes peeled for that when we get it all done released uh so pretty much just that after we uh get the album finished we're probably going to focus on more branching out and trying to tour a little bit more keep grinding Yep. Yeah. And definitely when you get those, you know, recordings done or you have new recordings come out, make sure to get them over to us too. And we'll, you know, we'll spin them on exclusive and certainly guys, thank you so much for coming in. Thank, thank you so you much for having us. us. We Thanks. appreciate you. Appreciate it. Please. If you're listening, come out to a, we were giant show, check out their tunes. We'll keep spinning them here on wonder point three, the X we have exclusive every Sunday night at 10 o'clock where we feature local artists. And keep tuning in to find out dates and album releases and things like that. Again, guys, thank you for coming by the studio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.